What did we just watch? The greatest game in the history of the World Cup. The greatest game in the history of sports. Messi with two, Mbappe with three, Argentina winning penalties. Lionel Messi has now won the one trophy that's eluded him through his career, the World Cup. Maradona, Zidane, Pelé, the one thing those greats had that Messi didn't was this one trophy. And now, for my money, the greatest of all time has uh, completed what uh, was the final chapter remaining in his fantastic career as Argentina win on penalties over France to take the 2022 World Cup. It's Dan Riccio, Jeff Blair, Devang Desai. We are kicking the grass on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Jeff, what a match. Yeah, um, I'm going to say something very unpopular here. I if FIFA wants to have a couple more of these World Cups in uh, November, December, can you sign me up? <laughs> I, I'd be. Uh, they got you. They I'd got be, you, Jeff. I'd, they got you. I'd be more than happy if that was the case. Look, I when we were coming on, I was trying to figure out the things you know I've seen that would compare to that, and the only thing the things I've seen live that would compare to to what we just watched. Uh, I mean, the only two things that come to mind are watching Usain Bolt win gold medals uh, in London and Beijing. You know, in terms of team sports, it was pretty cool watching the Canadian women win that bronze medal in London, especially after that 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 match against the Americans. But, I mean, how do you compare this? You had the defending world champions get a get an all-time game from their best player. You had the greatest player in the game winning, as Danny said, the one thing that had eluded them all along. And penalties, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know how you exceed this. I just don't. It's, um, it, it brought everything we would have expected. You know, so many times when we have, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> a headline-catching type of final like this, right? Messi versus Mbappe, the two best teams in the tournament going head-to-head in a final. It can uh, let us down. And uh, France let us down for 45 <laughs> minutes on that front. But uh, what happened after is just the stuff that makes us uh, fall in love with sport. Uh, just the incredible theater, the twists and the turns, the big moments, the uh, <laughs> incredibly heartbreaking uh, unclutch moments from Argentina's defense and defending it was you know it, it really did just just have everything and the two biggest stars were the two biggest names on the day as as it usually is Devang. I, I feel like for like 70 minutes it felt like a testimonial it felt like a this is a, a messy <laughs> moment this is supposed to be this is supposed to be everything about Argentina we just got We're just log. going strictly to the storybook them. script here we yeah I love them and we got to <laughs> we got to support the idol and the god but what a change man that 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 well, it, it all happened after the Di Maria the Di Maria <laughs> exactly. substitution and Di Maria being the best player on the pitch <laughs> bar Messi as well yeah. I, there's there's something to be said about Didier Deschamps and and what he does as a manager for this France club and like how he can maybe find things out of nothing or making those substitutions. There's a virus stricking the entire team. You, you're like, why are they doing these kind of things? But man, it paid off. What he 
just a great match. I, I, I don't, I don't have much else to say. But like, this was everything we would have wanted to have, and we got it. Yeah, yeah. I thought both, you know, both managers kind of, I, I wouldn't say redeemed themselves, but I know a lot of people were second guessing when Deschamps made the double switch early. I, I think we'll probably find out that there was an injury to to Giroud. That that was part of the reason. I love that. You're down, you're down two nil. <laughs> You're down two nil in the World Cup final, and your team's asleep. Shake yeah. him up a bit, and 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 I thought some of the you know the additions he made. I thought Marcus Thuram was terrific. I mean, Kamavinga, Kingsley Coman. The one thing that we know about France is whoever they bring on is going to be quick. And then you know I was watching Argentina and waiting for Latoro Martinez to come on, and. He comes on and just kind of changes all, all the changes the managers made had an impact on the flow of the game and gave their teams a little bit of an extra push at a time at a time where they looked like they were getting tired. It's it's I, I just love that. I, I I like when two really good teams play well, give it their all, all that good stuff, and you know. The managers live up to the occasion too. I mean, it's really hard. It's really hard to poke, poke holes in either team's performance. I think it's just it was remarkable. Six fifty, six fifty on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, you can also text in five ninety five ninety. As uh, we'll take your texts and your takes and uh, try to get as many of them as we can in through the hour. It is a kick in the grass. I, Christian Jack is going to join us as well coming up in the bottom half of the hour. We'll give our players of the tournament, maybe even a full team of the tournament before the hour is out. So on that note, like Scaloni, um, the Argentina manager, I thought had it perfect off the top, right? And the biggest thing was Angel Di Maria, who hadn't been starting much of these matches recently for Argentina. He had played a bit part role. But it's almost as though uh, the coach understood France was going to overload mm-hmm. onto Messi's side of the pitch. And why not have Di Maria over there on the left to counterbalance that? And he just had acres and acres and acres of space to work with. That What I didn't like is, you know, he has the, the time on it to be like, oh, 65th minute, I got I got to take him out, you know, and we see managers do that so often, right, where it's just like, this is what I have in my head, and, and I'm not, I'm I'm going with it, that's that's just how it's going to be, and it, it allowed France to get back in the game, and they went from a 4-3-3 to a 4-4-2, it changed the entire dynamic of their midfield and how they were dominating in that area of the pitch, but uh, that, that was the chess match that that was, and... I don't know if Argentina wins this match, though, if they don't have Angel Di Maria what a, uh, ending up with the start. Damn, what a fascinating player. Like, what a yeah. what a player that is, I think has been um, maybe given uh, undue shtick to, in the sense of, like, maybe he Manchester United, that whole process didn't work out so well. But in terms of big games, in terms of who shows up when, when has he not shown up for his country? Yeah or for the big games themselves with PSG, et cetera. This guy has routinely produced some seminal performances. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes we have to be a little careful when it comes to sort of judging players on how they perform in the Premier League. I, I, I think it's because we're so, we're so inundated with the Premier League. Uh, you know, 
it's such a part of our our soccer dialogue in this country such a part of the soccer coverage i mean a lot of the people who are are covering soccer in this country their roots are in the premier league and there's nothing wrong with that the roots are in england there's nothing wrong with that at all but what i'm saying is i think sometimes you have a tendency to throw people out just because they didn't perform well mm-hmm. in any particular situation but and, and i think that might have been the case with angel de, de maria but i mean you're right it was uh was a great shout to start him he he clearly he had the beating of Usman Dembele that whole side he owned that whole side uh of the pitch for the entire the entire first half and and yeah I thought he was the most influential player out there and there's another guy I want to mention too because I think until until the penalty until Mbappe's penalty I thought Enzo Fernandez just absolutely shut down yep. everything yeah. Absolutely shut down everything. Every time you saw uh, Mbappe, he was around him. Uh, I, to me, he's one of the, I know he's not going to get, he won't be the golden ball winner or anything like that. But I would argue that other than Messi, game in, game out, he was probably Argentina's most consistent and most influential player. I just thought he was terrific. And I admit I didn't know that much about him. Can we, can we Can we? also say that Emi Martinez might be the, the player of the tournament as well? I feel like this this person. Uh, this yeah. person. No, okay. Lionel, like, I get where you're going with this, Devang, but Lionel Messi is player of the tournament. <laughs> I, I, I want to say, though, in terms of penalties, in terms of, like, the the bravado and, like, the the aura you can carry with yourself, you felt yeah. like he was unbeatable. You felt like he was unbeatable, and especially when it got did, to kicks there, it was like, they're going to win because they had yeah. Emi Martinez. Did we see, was this one of the worst World Cups for penalties? Some some diabolical Or was choices. this one of the <laughs> best World Cups for goalkeepers? I, I can't decide. I can't decide. You know, some of those the group stage penalties, they were just abysmal. But then it was, you watch it, and you, I don't know how much of that was, was good goalkeeping. I mean, there were... There were like four. I thought there were four keepers in this tournament who really stood in their heads. Yeah, the, you know, Martinez was was definitely one of them. You know, we can certainly Wojciech look Chesney. back. Wojciech yeah, Chesney, Chesney was was unbelievable. Of course, all the events. Don't forget Canada's well. own Bono. <laughs> Montreal's uh, finest. Montreal's I, I would finest. say the other Bono was was a little bit better. The Moroccan. Uh, <laughs> uh, that is the the Canadian Bono, actually. Um, yes. I was thinking of Alex for some reason. Um, DC United. I don't know how DC you got United. Alex Bono. DC you, congratulations for getting Alex Bono into a World Cup conversation. I do, I do like how well we're done. keeping we're keeping MLS transfer news on the top of mind as we do a, a post game uh, World Cup show. Uh, Levakovic was pretty good too, as I try to dig myself yeah. out of that hole. Um, it, and and so as as good as Argentina was, you know. Emmy Mar- uh, Enzo Fernandez in the midfields, you know, they won every first and second ball. And yes, mm-hmm. that penalty happens. And then there's one misplaced ball in midfield, right? One misplaced Literally ball one. in midfield. One. One. And two passes later, uh, it, it's, it's a penalty kick for France. And then the next goal, I mean, I thought Argentina's second was just uh, sublime, not a, not a misplaced oh. touch. And then no. to see France's second goal of the match, it was like, wow, we are not worthy. How perfect every inch, perfect ball, one touch. And then Mbappe with that finish. I mean, it's just, it, it was crazy how these teams, like the counterattack, the, the one little opening that either of them provided to their opponent was just executed with absolute brilliance. 
but is this what like high level football should be like, right? Like I feel like yeah. this was the the perfect example of two teams at their peak. And though we saw France kind of not play well for the majority of the match, but when they were able to turn it on, you saw soccer football at its best. Like that mm-hmm. to yeah. me, this match. I don't. I don't really. I don't really care if you have a rooting interest. I think if you're just a neutral and you're watching that, how do you not get captivated? How do you not just fall in love with this sport? It was that into a T. There and it wasn't just you know the goal scored and the counterattacking too. I think if 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 you're a fan of defensive football, you can go back and look at that match and you can pick out five or six individual moments of defensive brilliance. Open the candles, block. Um, you know, that, I mean, it, that that almost the almost the saving kick with ball going into the goal. I, there was just, it, like I said, it 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 had a little bit of everything. Uh, it had a it had a little bit of everything, but but mostly it just had. I mean, it had two of the best players in the world playing like two of the best players in the world, and how often don't we see that? I mean, I think back to that, you know, to Germany beating Argentina. Uh, in the World Cup, and you, you know, Messi was—he really wasn't that influential in that particular that particular match. But in this match, he was—you know—he was all that and more. And and you know, I hate to say it for the fans of Cristiano Ronaldo out there, but I really do think that debate is <laughs> for, for Derek Brandeo especially. Yeah, I think especially. we can stick a fork in that debate. And I know people are going to say, "Don't judge it in one game." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Uh, it's not just one game. It was it was this whole tournament. You know. Yeah. The co- he, he the, co- turned... the coronation felt complete. Like this this all felt yeah. like you're watching someone peaking at the peak of his powers and somehow still being able to do the set at 35 years old and and changing the game. After last now he's going to conquer MLS. <laughs> Miami. I'm not ready for that. Like, could he were just like, I, I almost rather he just retire at this point. Like, go, <laughs> go out on the high, uh, Lionel. Um, go back and know. play, go back and play club football in Argentina. Kind of do a, you know, do, yeah. do a victory lap, do a victory lap. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be this uh, MLS uh, completionist person, but it'd be fun to watch him in MLS. Wouldn't it guys? Wouldn't yeah. it? Oh yeah. Wouldn't it? Oh, it's the same thing. Listen, would, when Zlatan came to MLS, exactly. everybody's kind of exactly. rolling their eyes, and here comes another role. Are you kidding me? Well, the other thing it's is like he's price of admission alone. The other thing is like he's clearly still quite good. Like I, I think <laughs> yeah. the the other idea is like, oh, he went to PSG and he's playing with Neymar and Mbappe, and maybe he doesn't have to be that same guy anymore. But he clearly is, which is the the most shocking part of it yeah. all. He clearly just, is. Yeah, that, that pass, guy. that little pass, that flick that Ridiculous. he oh, did today was just insane. <laughs> it was uh, insane. I, I just I can't wait for the fallout when he uh, when he declines to play at BC Place against the Vancouver <laughs> White Clap Whitecaps because of the turf. But um, we'll save that we'll save that story for another day. Um, Torgi, one of the greatest sports games ever. That save in the 119th minute or whenever was unreal. Torgi is speechless on the 650 650 text line. You can get in your texts on Messi. It, you know, after last year at PSG, he wasn't very good, like no. by his standards. No. Right, mm-hmm. his first year at PSG, he looked bored. He looked yeah. bored actually at times last year. It, it was just, it just was not right. And then he starts this year, and he's been unbelievable at club level, uh, as good a distributor as we've ever seen him be in his career. You know, all of the the metrics, his assists, he's scoring again. 
all of these things have, have come back about Messi here at the age of 35, and it's in the run-up to this World Cup, and you're wondering, can he keep it going? And, of course, he does. You know, as we've talked about, he is now. It's it's really hard to debate him as the greatest in World Cup history, but in football history, uh, of course, you know, you know, you can think about Maradona, Pelé, uh, Zidane, and how good Zidane was in, in 98 for France. I mean, not only was this sort of the uh, cherry on top of Messi's career, but uh, this is also one of the great World Cup performances in totality of the tournament, Jeff. Yeah, listen, I, I don't think it's Lionel Messi's fault necessarily that um, he doesn't have the backstory of Maradona in terms of becoming a folk hero. And, you know, that yep. um, my friend Stephen Brunt would refer to the, the, the very textured life that Maradona lived. Right. <laughs> um, yes. Which is so much a part of the, the legacy. I, I think it's, it's unfair to, to, to try to compare anybody to Maradona, but in terms of, in terms of, being able to influence a game the way the game is played right now. Um, you know, Messi, Messi is, it's just such a different game than it was when Maradona mm-hmm. played. And, and Messi seems to have been able to adapt to all facets of that game. He talked about him being more of a distributor. I, you know, just as, as he's gotten older, his understanding of using space and, and, and things like that. Uh, have really taken him to another level. But, you know, I, I fear that in terms of greatest players of all time, there's just not the same. The Messi story isn't the same as Maradona. It's I, just, it, it's never going to be. I will say, Jeff, though, I think that Messi is one of those people now who transcends uh, the lexicon. Like, he he is a first-name basis beyond sports. Like, if you mentioned his name, yeah. Everyone knows who he is, and that's a very rare, yeah, a rare uh, feat. And I think one of these performances, like this, was another underlining moment where it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you actually like soccer, but if you are just a person who is observing something, this is a special thing. Like this is one of those things that you you are lucky to watch as a as an observer. And I, he's given us that quite a few times. Well, he was the player of the tournament uh, in 2014 even as, mm-hmm. you know, a runner-up with Argentina to, to Germany in that World Cup. And while he was and had great moments, he wasn't that great in the final. Um, he was, you know, he had that free kick against Nigeria, played really well um, in, in some earlier matches. But it almost felt like, if I'm being honest, like he was given the player of the tournament, because, because Germany is, didn't have yeah, their one yeah, standout right. yeah. player. And, hey, here's Lionel Messi. <laughs> you know, so... Like, do you want to give it to Mario Götze? You probably should have. But also, do you want to do this? Do you actually yeah. want to do this? <laughs> like, are, are we are we giving this to uh, to the goalie? Like, are we giving it to Manuel Neuer? Like, I, I, uh, it's, it, it just... It, it almost felt by default it was it was given to, to Lionel Messi in that tournament. He wasn't, you know, especially to his standard at that time almost fell short of his incredibly mm-hmm. high standard in that tournament. But there's there's no denying it here in this one. And he had 
big moments, massive moments in pretty much every match. Maybe because he was given a penalty in every match, but, you know, the uh, assist in, in the semifinal where he makes the best defender in the tournament uh, look like a pylon in, in Gavardiol. You know, it, it was... Uh, the one-twos that we saw through the tournament, the the incredible goals, even if they weren't incredibly well struck, it was just pinpoint accuracy into the, the, the bottom corner off the fingertips of the outstretched keeper to not be able to keep it out. Uh, th- this was um, vintage Lionel Messi in, in every sense of the word and player of the tournament, deserved player of the tournament, I would imagine he gets it here. Seven goals through the entire campaign. Only bested by Kylian Mbappe. The the other thing I think is fascinating is the and this is clear by watching his teammates and the devotion they, they have to him, but this felt like they were also trying their best to help him get this feat and like help him accomplish this goal and the way they talk about him, the way they revere him. It's kind of weird playing with a god kind of yep. with, with, alongside you and somehow these other players, Jeff, you mentioned Enzo Fernandez, like they're they're leveling up as well at the biggest yeah. crucial stage. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that there was a real that was a real galvanizing point for 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 Argentina, and I think also the fact that it was. And, and I'm, I'm sure once the tournament's over, we'll hear more and more stories about this. But looking at the various personalities in that team, I think we're going to have to look back at that tournament and really really compliments Galoni for the job he did. And because mm-hmm. we've seen in the past, there's always in recent years, at least there's kind of been this thing about Argentina. There's always been this idea that they weren't necessarily a United team and, 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 and things of this nature. And, and this just, I mean, from the get go, even, even though they had, you know, a couple of stutter steps at this, the start of the tournament, they seem to be really seem to be a really united group, uh, a group that had each other's backs. And I, and I think you're right. I'm I'm sure as this tournament went on, it became more and more obvious to to a lot of the younger players that that this really was this was becoming more and more about Messi. And I think Messi helped. Messi's helped it out by by being a bit more of a distributor and 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 playing a little different role than perhaps he would have played eight, eight years ago. Uh, and yeah, look, I mean, he's, I'm sure a lot of these guys, a lot of these young Argentine players, they know about Maradona. Some of them may not have seen him play and Messi's the closest thing they're going to see to that. Yeah. Uh, Rodrigo de Paul with a uh, fantastic quote, basically describing uh, the Argentine existence in very few words. We were born to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, it was, you know, and I think of Rodrigo de Paul. Uh, I've I've long loved him uh, as a Serie A uh, watcher, and, and and his days at Udinese, uh, now playing uh, in La Liga. Messi's bodyguard. He, you know. <laughs> the best version of himself in this tournament. He was Messi's bodyguard is, is a good way to put it. So like we know Messi at this stage is going to do a lot of walking around the pitch so that, you know, he can find his little bits of space and then jump to life as, as we've seen him do so often. But DePaul was, was always there to cover some of that ground, some of that space that Messi left in behind. Uh, I, I wonder how different this tournament is if, if, Without the, the, the Saudi Arabia loss to yeah. start the tournament for them, yeah. right? Like Enzo Fernandez mm-hmm. and McAllister aren't starting that match. 
for for Argentina. So uh, a lot changed. Uh, Scaloni, uh, despite their run-up and all the matches that they had uh, been unbeaten for coming into the tournament, they had an early curveball thrown at them that they uh, had to do some figuring out on, on how to find the best version of themselves pretty quickly there. One of those things where as well, I, I mean, the Spain 2010 is, is kind of the, the benchmark of how if you respond after losing an early match, but the Saudi loss, like this, it felt like maybe it was too much for this Argentina squad. Like maybe they didn't have the resources capable to, to yep. forage into this and, and, and play six or seven matches and, and find a way. But I, I listened to Messi's comments after that match and talking about how they needed to kind of get a reset and, and get a, a reality check maybe and in, in where they were at. Damn, it, it's hard to it's hard to doubt that. Yeah, yeah, and I also think there's a real. We talked about this at the start of the tournament. There is a there is a real art to coaching a team through a tournament and mm-hmm. building up a team through a tournament. And it it's great to react. The dangerous thing is when you overreact to to an early setback. And again, this gets back to Skolani. I just I. I I love the way he used the team. And and I I really like the fact, I mean, here's a guy that basically found something that worked after that first match. And then before the final decides, well, I'm gonna put Di Maria in. You just you have you really you really have to know your team mm-hmm. to to make that move. And um, and again, and I, I get back to this, this some of the substitutions uh, he made as well. You know, I thought Looking back to the to the match where we we talked about this right, where Paredes was collecting yellow cards and was really seemed out of control at times, and we wondered, okay, how would you use him through the rest of the tournament? This was a perfect time to introduce him in this match. It was a perfect time to introduce him in this yeah. match. He made again. I think both of them made right right calls. I I, I really did. I, I was surprised it took so long to make some substitutions for uh, for Scaloni outside of the Di Maria one, of course. But uh, you know, in, in extra time, he, he did get it right, and obviously Argentina scored the go-ahead goal before giving up another tying goal. Wow, what a roller coaster it has been! Christian Jack is going to weigh in his take on the final and uh, some more as we uh, continue to break it down. Argentina, our World Cup champions for the first time since 1986. Lionel Messi completing. Uh, what has been just an absolutely, uh, well, perfect career on the pitch for an incredible player at the age of 35 to win the trophy that has eluded him, put in a two-goal performance and scores his penalty in the shootout as well. Argentina wins on penalties over France. You are listening to A Kick in the Grass. More Leafs, more Raptors, more Blue Jays. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The trophy celebration is on as Argentina are the World Cup champions. Lionel Messi is the golden ball winner, is the best player of the tournament. Kylian Mbappe winning the golden boot with eight goals. Emi Martinez winning the uh, Golden Glove Award. And uh, so Argentina uh, looking pretty 
pretty good, and I believe they gave Enzo Fernandez the uh, young player they of did. the tournament. They did as well. Uh, was Mbappe still like? Uh, did you uh, did <laughs> available you for selection with that or Emmanuel Macron as well? A uh, big part of this celebration, which I think is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I have no problem with. Uh, well, I mean, I guess young player of the tournament. Yeah, I mean, Mbappe's still younger than Fernandez, is he not? Is it pretty yeah. close? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think I have no problem with Enzo Fernandez, Fernandez winning again. I, I thought he was, uh, other than Messi, the second most important player for Argentina. And I, I, I put my hand up. I, I just had no idea. I had no idea about this guy going in the tournament. I read a bit about him. Uh, and then, you know, I think we texted during the tournament. There was a, just if you follow his map, you know, it was heat map from from mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. The amount of times he makes himself available in different parts of the uh, of the pitch for that team is just. Can, is, can is we uh, can we shout out Bondi France as well? The this Hamlet in uh in Paris that is has produced basically seven to eight world <laughs> star footballers somehow. It's incredible. That's Pretty impressive. Bad. Pretty impressive. Let's bring in our next guest. Uh, it is Christian Jack. Spent some time covering this tournament in Qatar and uh, joins us here now. Uh, KJ, what a what a final, uh, what a finish, and uh, just want to hear your take on what you what we just witnessed. Yeah, it's great to be with you, fellas. Just really, just really grateful, really, to watch a, a game like that. It's just so special to have a game meaning so much, entertain in that way and to see the best players step up and have all the emotion and that's why we're that's why we're all drawn to sports to just the the remarkable unpredictability about it the ability to just continue to surprise us over and over and over again and some finals are not always like that we know that finals can often be quite negative because there's so much on the line and yet with so much on the line we were able to go and witness a match like that it was as i said just a just a really special moment really and I think I'm just so thankful that the game at the international level has had that I think the club level has had a number of those remarkable you know where were you when moments over the last few years uh, and this club's you know the club game has taken over the uh, the world game for obvious reasons but at the end of the day there's nothing like the World Cup and, and that that tournament deserved a moment like that so just just really thankful. Christian, obviously, the backstory to this tournament is wretched in a lot of ma- in, in a lot of in a lot of ways. But in terms of what we saw on the pitch, in in terms of the excitement that this tournament has generated, do you think there's a chance that FIFA may now actually consider the possibility of holding this tournament at this time of the year again, if? You know, if it allows the tournament to be played in a in a in a warmer weather country, like do you? Because this was artistically, I think we'd have to say this is this was this is one of the best sports. It's one of the best sports events I've seen on TV, Christian. Like just flat out. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I think we'd all be naive if we think this is the last time they're ever going to go to a a country like that, where obviously you're better to play it now. I think once the dam is broken and, and the ability to showcase that you can do it once, you're going to do it again. I don't think it's their preference. I still think, obviously, the summer is, is – there's a lot more things that going for them. Um, and as we've learned over the years, you know, FIFA's priority isn't always the entertainment factor. Uh, they, were, they, you know, they were handed another gift today. 
uh, despite all the other things around it. Uh, but no, I do think that will happen again in the future, no doubt. KJ, I wonder, uh, Messi obviously is the, the big story, but there's a lot of other players in Argentina who have made a big name for themselves as well. Who stood out for you in terms of maybe carving out a new place in, in the upper echelon of, of world football through this tournament? Well, I mean, obviously Messi goes to another level, Devang, right? And I just, I think we have to talk about that briefly. I'm just so thankful that he, were, he was able to do that. I was never the, 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 the guy or in the, in the camp where he had to win it to become mm-hmm. the greatest of all, of all time. Um, you know, I've spent many tournaments and many broadcasts. I felt like almost defending his legacy, which is absolutely ridiculous uh, to defend the greatest player of all time's legacy. But ultimately, he's, he, you know, he, he has his moment. I, I think the other thing, Di Maria was a, was, a, was a fantastic decision by Scaloni because he knew that Kunde wouldn't go forward and he played him on that left wing and it, and it led to two goals. Uh, and Di Maria is, is, is such a gracious, a gracious uh, star that not many people talk about, either at club level uh, and international level. He's just a born winner, yet he's always been in the shadows of other great players. Um, you know, so I think t- talking about upper echelon, as, as your question alluded to, uh, but this Argentina team won the World Cup because they were a team. Mm-hmm. And, in to- and so often in the past, they've relied on Messi. And, of course, there was this unbelievable carrying him on their shoulders to, to win it for him. Uh, but they, they were able to, to win it as a team. And the addition of Enzo Fernandez when I was at the game, when he came into midfield against Mexico, I think just toughened them up. DePaul was really good, and he never stopped running. I thought McAllister had a wonderful final. Uh, you know, there, there's so many. And, of course, Emmy Martinez gets the Golden Glove, quite, quite rightly so, because of his ability to make massive decisions and penalty kicks. And I'm, I'm proud. KJ, I'm proud of You didn't so. bring up his Aston Villa connections yet, so I'm proud of you for doing that. <laughs> I, I'm hopeful we can keep hold of him, mate. That's why. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to keep hold of him, but it's nice to see a Villa player do it. And, you know, I... I, I personally have a, a bit of an obsession with penalties, and mm-hmm. I was fascinated to watch it again. I'd be interested to get different camera angles, but the ability to, 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 go, to try and go get the ball, where you get the ball in between the kicks is really interesting. Uh, I think Emmy forgot to get the ball for Dybala, but it's Emmy <laughs> not lucky. Right. Uh, but, you know, there, there's a lot of things going on there that the camera doesn't always pick up with the one international feed director. So, uh, yeah, like we just named five or six players right there, and I think that's a credit to Argentina that yes, it's Lionel Messi's World Cup, and I'm so grateful that he had that and so thankful, but this is, uh, this is a team sport, and, and it showed again today. Uh, I, I'm wondering, this is, you know, this is a hypothetical question, this probably, and it's certainly not meant to denigrate anything Argentina did, but that was a French team that was missing a lot of important pieces, and yeah, you know, I'm wondering, in, in light of this in light of this defeat, even, KJ, do we need to start really focusing a little more on Didier Deschamps and just and, and giving him credit for being one of the best international coaches we've seen? Because um, he's had to manage a lot of situations with that team. And he seems, he seems to be able to take guys who are, eh, you know, maybe not the not the greatest, I wouldn't say greatest citizens. He seems to be able to take guys who have some issues at club level at times or who, who seem to be moody. And once they put on the French uniform, it's, it's, it's like they're transformed into this collective. 
Yeah, it's, it's a great point, Jeff. You know, ultimately, I think Deschamps' legacy was already there before this game. I mean, I, I remember we did the game in 2016 in the final against against Portugal, and he got absolutely slammed in France uh, for his negativity. But at the end of the day, you know, Hugo Lloris got hurt uh, and just couldn't get down to the to the shot by Adair, and that's why they lost. It's fine margins, and you know, you rightly say that this is a difficult group to manage, and ultimately, that's what he does. Uh, there's no doubt about his leadership qualities. He's lifted that trophy as a captain. He's lifted that as a coach. I think today he made some really bold decisions. I think he, you know, the, the Mbappe story, rescuing them and getting them back in the game will be the story about how they got back. But I thought his substitutes, I thought he outmanaged Scaloni in the game. Um, you know, his substitutions were on point at the right time in the second half. I'm not sure about the first half ones. Uh, and I think Scaloni was slow to react. Look, it's easier to do that when you're behind. But I thought he made the right decisions at the right time. Uh, I, I think this World Cup is also the international game is a game where top managers will come will come to the fore. I think there's a lot of managers at the World Cup are very average. And if you think about it again this year, you know, Regragu did the thing with Morocco. He's a top class club manager with Casablanca. We saw what Dalic did last time four years ago. He did it again with Croatia. Scaloni won the Cup for America and is a, is, a, is a good young manager, the youngest in, in Qatar. And then you've got Deschamps, who, who, who could manage a top club in, 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 the, in the club game. So I think, again, he showed he can do it. It'll be interesting to see whether this is the end of his cycle, his contract's up, and what will be next for him. But, no, I think his legacy is intact as being a top-class star at this World Cup again. I, I do want to spend more time on Messi as, you know, this is just another chapter in, in the legacy that he has put before his career. And, you know, I, I don't know, KJ. His first year at PSG was was a little bit underwhelming, um, and and this year at club level he's been brilliant and carries that into this tournament and continues that. But at 35, like, h- how have you seen him evolve so that he can still have the same impact on a match as he did when he was younger? Well, you know, it, the legs and the physicality will will eventually drain away uh, to the level that you're not used to. But the mind is the same, and his brain is far superior than anybody else's on the field. And when you watch him live, he doesn't exert any energy. They build around him to do that. Uh, but he sees things developing far quicker than anybody else. Um, and even that goal that he scored that a lot of people didn't know went in right away um, with the right foot, you know, he watches movement, and he sees what's going to happen before anybody else. Uh, and, he, you know, he's, he's a game. He's now a player of moments. Uh, and, and that's still fine at the international level. And, uh, you know, physically he got better in France. He's got stronger. Uh, I think there's no doubt about that. I think he's got a little bit tougher. You look when he drops his shoulder and he, and he gets away from the defender, he has the ability to keep the ball along a, a lot more than I think he even did in the last couple of years in Spain. We didn't need to do that as much where you pass and move, pass and move into space. Uh, so, no, I think, you know, this, this again showed why that he, he has the ability to just change his game at key moments. Uh, and, and, and again, credit Scaloni for building around him. I think Alvarez coming in instead allowed Tiro Martinez stretch the field. Alvarez will make runs beyond the defender and create those little holes for, for Messi to take advantage of. Um, and again, you know, he's just ice cold from the penalty spot again, and it's just made a big difference in the game. Just saw the uh, the trophy lift from Lionel Messi. Fantastic scenes. KJ, I wonder. Uh, Outside of this tournament, and I, I'm looking one eye towards the Premier League and all the, the club seasons picking up again. Arsenal in first place. Just want to mention that as well. Um, <laughs> do you do you see things 
at this tournament? I know it, uh, international football and club football is way different, but did you see things at this tournament that maybe you, you they are now just so prevalent uh, within the game that are, they're kind of changing the way people are, are employing their players or they're, they're in, employing them tactically in different ways? Yeah, the game's completely different with five subs to bang. You know, absolutely dramatically different. You know, that's why games can come alive again near the end. Uh, you know, I think about rugby and, and what they've been doing at the international game for a while with seven or eight replacements, as they call them. And a lot of coaches in rugby refer to them as finishers, not substitutions. Uh, and that's the way that the game is going. You know, I think Argentina, I think France had seven different players on the pitch, or six at least, at the end of the game uh, with the concussion stuff as well. And so the game, the way it finishes, is very different to the game the way it starts. And it takes a lot of used to, getting used to. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it, but I understand why it's done. It's definitely, again, more goals in this World Cup than ever before because of for the most part for a tournament we're pretty pretty average uh, and maybe that's down to the officiating and the stop starting of everything I felt like an official being at so many games officials were stopping the game so far too often to remind defenders about grabbing in the box it was almost like with you, when you're in your car and you go onto the highway and you got a police officer telling you you can't drive over 100 every time uh, it was just it was ridiculous but I, I think some of those areas it could be interesting to see whether that develops into the club game but I think the biggest thing to bang is the subs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, mm-hmm. and again, you know, the, again, the biggest thing is the clubs with the biggest depth, again, are going to have the, the, the more power because you can bring on 100 million pound players uh, in the last 20 minutes of matches. You can win Premier League games. KJ, uh, we really appreciate your time and your insights. Uh, thanks so much for this. Hopefully we'll be talking again soon. Always a pleasure, guys. Keep up the great work. It's uh, genuinely a very special day for the game. Thanks again. Absolutely. There is uh, Christian Jack uh, with uh, CanPL.ca and, of course, uh, had been uh, spending time in Qatar covering this tournament. It's Dan Riccio with Jeff Blair and Devang Desai on a kick in the grass. You know, we've talked so much about Messi. I'm not sure why he was wearing a net for that the... That was kind uh, of bizarre, right? That, uh, <laughs> that uh, whole... Uh, yeah. Was it protecting Wait, so, the, the game-worn jersey? Like, so I don't... <laughs> we, uh, we shouldn't gloss over the fact that this felt like this sports washing was just times a million at the end of this tournament, right? Like, we can't... Oh, we can't <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, we see this for, for every World Cup, every uh, Olympic event. You know, there is a lot of... Um, discussion <laughs> about the dirtiness of it all heading mm-hmm. into the tournament but then once the first ball is kicked that seems to be but that, on the back burner that's that's a great like, that's, this this was an example though fellas i think that like yeah the games kind of took over because the, the discourse oh, the football right? was so good exactly and, and exactly. we're all soccer fans exactly. right like exactly. but i don't feel good about it what to, i'm saying to, is i don't feel good yeah. about it is what i'm saying it's impossible no, to separate I, your well for me it's impossible at times to separate my love for the game and my love to watch you know this brilliance that we saw today versus mm-hmm. you know the morality that very much exists as as part of the conversation too look we all know that it's good to eat the sausage because the sausage tastes good you, <laughs> you just don't, don't want to see, see the damn thing <laughs> being made right yeah. you know you don't want to see every individual ingredient that goes into yeah. it uh, it, it, it happens. FIFA and the IOC are, are both 
both reprehensible organizations. Unfortunately, they run two of the largest international sports events that we have. And it's, it's the same, it's the same story all along. What, what kind of bothered me a bit about this world cup and I've covered, I know what it's like when media cover a big event, like an Olympics, you tend to sort of develop almost a, it, it almost becomes like glorified summer camp for sports reporters. And you tend to get in this bubble and the food is someone else is paying for the food. And when the booze is available, someone else is paying for the booze. And after a while, you tend to sort of lose sight of the, the wider picture. That happened a little bit. I thought here, you know, I, I, the number of people about a week into the, into the world cup, the number of stories I started to hear about or, or read about, you know, it's, it's too bad about the workers, but boy, it's really safe here. You can walk down the street, yeah. you know, nobody, yeah. I, I understand we're human beings. And at the end of the day, we like to feel safe and we like to be comfortable. We have our creature comforts, things look a little different, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, Dan, your point is once it's the same thing with every Olympics, it's going to suck. Nothing's going to work. The opening ceremonies, remember in Vancouver, that was awful. The Georgian loser died. I covered that it was going to be the worst Olympics ever. People and forgot. People forgot. They moved on. Exactly. Uh, you know, look, the, the proof is in the pudding. Let's see where the world cup goes after the next round of, you know, after the next round. I mean, if the World Cup goes back to Russia or goes to Saudi Arabia right. Right. or someplace like that, that'll be that'll tell us where this is. I uh, I have a a one a couple final soccer questions for you, you gentlemen. Um, outside of Messi, because I think he will be the de facto player of the tournament, and rightfully so. Who did you like watch the watching the most in uh in this month? Well, it's. Kylian Mbappe, uh, you know, if France wins the game, he's the player of the tournament. Um, there, there's moments, today. there's moments when you watch him and you don't think that's possible. Like the yeah. the way he the way he comports himself on the pitch is just it's not it's not something we've seen before. The speeds, the way he slaloms around defenders, the <laughs> quickness to change direction is fascinating at times. Uh, I mean, he's he's an incredible player. What has he got? Twelve World Cup goals now in two yeah. tournaments. He's twenty three years old. That Giroud yeah. record is not safe. That Giroud had, record is not safe. Yeah, no, not at all. And and had had France won today, I mean, we're talking about him having maybe another three tries to be the first player to to lift the trophy three times, right? Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of where we're where we're at with Mbappe. As much as you know, we, we've the, the the bigger conversation has been Messi has solidified himself as. Uh, the greatest of all time. There's also, hey, this Mbappe kid he might is be, now yeah. going to be he chasing might be, yeah. might be in the conversation. Lionel Messi <laughs> yeah. for the next decade plus. Love that shout, but if I'm going to buy a jersey, I'm going to look for a Moroccan jersey. Amrabat. I'm going to look for Amrabat. What a To me, the, wow. just a, a wonderful performance. I, I just... All over the place. I, I thought the Moroccans were were the story of the tournament. Frankly, the you know the third place match, which we haven't talked about. I love the fact that it both was great. Croatia they, they wanted to win that exactly. And I, I, and, I think and the, the post game celebrations from. 
the Croats, like you could tell this, oh, yeah. this obviously mattered a, a lot. And But I thought, man, and then you start reading about Morocco and that academy they have. Right. right. That, that to me was 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 the story of the tournament. And and I mean you you just watch them play and they literally the watching the Moroccan players at the end of the match is like you know, I mean you you felt you almost felt like crying for them. These guys couldn't get off the pitch. They were just so spent, but I'm I'm hoping he ends up. I'm hoping he ends up in Liverpool or, or in the yeah. Premier League. I think he'd be a terrific Premier League player. I really do. Uh, Blair Blair needs a Amrabat Fiorentina jersey. Oh, that's gosh, what I, she uh, does. That's that's, that's a great color scheme. The, the purple, the that purple is fantastic. It's a great color scheme. As, as much as I dislike Fiorentina, <laughs> uh, it is uh, it is a great kit. No no doubting that. You know, this is the last 32 team World Cup. That's uh, you know sort of one of the I, things I. I Dan, I was going to say the uh, the idea of having forty eight teams in in uh, twenty twenty six is bad, but the fact that we'll have more African countries in there is going to be yeah. great because the, their qualifying process is a slog. It's really tough. But they got to keep guys. They got to keep the four team groups. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't say I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do. They have to keep four team groups. Um, it, it has to. It, it, it has to be kept. This is why fool with it. It was so good. Yeah, it, it is essential. And and you know what? Like, hey. Uh, there would have been the uh, the uproar when they they increased to 32 teams mm-hmm. and hey it's just too many you know yeah this many years on what was the first one 98 where they had uh, where they had 32 and that was the and, game changer and you know you think about not that there is a ton of parity like still the same countries are winning this tournament in the end but we saw more upsets. How far has Saudi Arabia come uh, in the time that they've been in these last few tournaments? They used to get pummeled 5-6-0 mm-hmm. every time they go out there, and now that's, that's not necessarily the case. Um, it's it's going to be tough at first with, with 48 teams. We probably will see some blowouts, um, and we'll reminisce about the 32-team tournament. But <laughs> in, in the end, it does, it, it does go a long way to, to help – you know these countries eventually develop and, and and get better in the long run, um, but you know by that time we'll be talking about a 62, 64 team tournament <laughs> uh, when it eventually comes down to it. We'll be previewing Wait, Canada, one quick question. Canada Zambia at the the twenty twenty six World Cup. There you yeah. Go, right? yeah. Quick quick question before we leave. After watching this, feel better about Canada soccer where it is right now, or worse about Canada soccer where it is right now after seeing. Mm. the competition in this tournament better i i I will honestly say better i will say okay this we needed to go through this and even though there was some lumps lumps taken yeah i think this was better still better in the end it's better uh, for having your first world cup appearance in forever than it is to have not had that, uh, that world cup appearance uh, want to appreciate you the listener for uh, joining us through this month uh, as this uh, world cup uh, provided every twist and turn that it possibly could have. And Lionel Messi completes an absolute storybook, a fairy tale career. 35, gets his first World Cup, gets to lift the trophy, scores seven goals while doing it, and is the player of the tournament for Argentina. Yeah, look out, MLS. Into Miami, France. baby. Inter Miami and Fio, Lionel Fio, Messi Fio, coming Fio, to Fio, an Fio, MLS Fio, market Fio, near Fio, you. Emo Field, baby. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> For my co-hosts, Jeff Blair and Devang Desai, I'm Dan Richo. You've been listening to A Kick in the Grass on the Sportsnet Radio Network.